Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now, listen, they want me to say hello. Welcome to the James Well Best Bits of Tonight's show. I wish you can hear every night, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio from 7 till 10. But I said, wouldn't it be best to call it the worst of whale? So have a listen. See what you think. Dr. Bahat uh, Pankania, Pankania, I get your name wrong every time, Senior Clinical Lecturer at the University of Exeter. Uh, doctor, good evening. Good evening, James. I forgive you. It's okay. It's Pankania, <laughs> but you did well. Pankania, yes, absolutely. I think it put it down to the fact I've been here on my own for three weeks. I think it's getting to me now. I understand. I understand. Um, 30 ventilators uh, seems very few, doesn't it? Very few, and um, it's very painful to hear this. Uh, we need thousands, not 30, and we need technical staff to run these and manage this. There are lives to be saved. There is a wave of uh, people who are going to get infected needing these things. So uh, deep breath of sadness. 30 is not good enough. No. And why, why are we, compared to other countries like Germany, for argument's sake, um, doing so badly and getting the stuff where it's needed? Why, why do we seem to be so slow with this? I, I wish I had that answer. And I wish journalists would ask that hard, straight question of the government ministers to answer precisely. I can only conjecture. And my conjecture is this that certain decisions were probably made earlier on. And that led to other things not being done, such as respirators, testing, mm. test kits, mobilization of our uh, emergency preparedness, uh, asking industry to swap jobs and start making PPE and face uh, masks and uh, visors and things. I think all that train of things was probably not asked of industry to do and hence it hasn't been done and now that we are doing it do you think in future that we will actually keep these things in supply that the things that will have a fairly good uh, shelf life you know will last up to 10 years or whatever we should have good quantities of them in in reserve shouldn't we we should, and this is nothing new. I have sat on emergency preparedness planning committees for more than 20 years. It is not a case of we have learned something. We've always known that we had to do this, and I feel a lot of pain to find out that it wasn't done. So look, there was an exercise called Exercise Cygnus. 
this was to simulate worst case scenarios, middle middle uh, case scenarios, etc., mm -hmm. about a virus arriving and then what will we do and what we need to stock up on. So the recommendations there were very clear in 2016 of what we need to stock up on, what visors, what protective gear, what PPE, etc., we need to do and why the instructions of a simulated exercise lasting four year, four days, costing millions, and nothing was done about it, is very painful for me to realise it wasn't um, taken forward. Would it have been enough so in they, this situation, though? Hang on just a minute, Ash. So they, they actually carry out these, uh, these simulations, and then after yes. they've spent £4 million of our money, they don't bother to act on them. That's, uh, you've summed it right about so, James, because I uh, remember I'm supposed to be a scientist. So I asked these questions. Are you real? Are you telling me the truth? There isn't PPE. And then I was pointed in the direction of the Cygnus report. And, and, and you realize that this exercise took place in 2016, but nothing forward was taken after that exercise and should have been because we should never leave our country in a vulnerable position. And even if you are in a vulnerable position, the next step, which could have been done in January, is to say, oh, 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 oh dear, we didn't stock up in 2016, but now let us order industry to change production and make me my PPE, make me my masks, make me my eye visors, make me those reagents I'm going to be testing. And there again, you see, um, we didn't do it as well as we could have, should have. Mm. Okay, Ash. Why? Well, why didn't the experts, you know, the, the, these top guys, say, you know, they knew it was coming, like you say, in January? Why didn't they order it? I mean, they were saying, oh, this could be potentially a hundred thousand people and stuff like that. So why didn't they order the stuff? I think uh, when certain decisions are made, i.e., we're going in for herd immunity, or we're going in for taking taking it on the chin, then then that decision is made. And then that train is set into motion and other decisions are not made like go get the PP, go get the testing kits, go get this, you see. So yeah. I think that's where the disconnect has happened. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on talk radio. Wendy Higgins is the director of the Humane Society and joins us now. Wendy, good evening to you. Hi there. Um, it's about time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the majority of people in China would agree with you. There's been a number of attempts to get um, a, a piece of legislation on the statute books, even though this is just a citywide ban. Um, so this has been a long time coming. But um, we were delighted when the officials in Shenzhen first proposed the ban and even more thrilled now that it's been passed. But you'd have thought the yeah. authoritarian government in China would just ban it nationwide after all the embarrassment it's caused them. Yeah, it's a really peculiar thing in, in China. Um, the, the national government so far has shown no interest in putting forward certainly a ban on dog and cat meat trade. Obviously, we have the temporary ban in place on wildlife consumption trade, and we very much hope that that will be turned into a permanent ban. It needs to be turned into a, a permanent ban. But in terms of the dog and cat meat trade, the Chinese uh, National Party seems to either want the trade to kind of fizzle out of its own accord or certainly doesn't seem to be standing in the way of 
um, this city and hopefully other cities taking matters into their own hands. So the, I think that the, the task at hand now is to hope that and encourage that other cities will follow suit. Yeah, well, I do hope so, because the other thing that occurred to me as well, the way they treat those animals in China is disgusting. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. And I hope they're not just left in cages to die of starvation. I, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, that pretty much every country around the world has got its own, you know, animal atrocities. Um, and and mm. the UK certainly can hold its hand up to that as well. But um, the dog and cat meat trade is, um, is, I guess, especially upsetting because the vast majority of those animals are stolen pets. Um, and we've certainly found in our investigations um, when we've rescued animals from uh, dogs and cats from slaughterhouses that they very often are still wearing their um, pet collars and name tags. Mm. Why are they pets, um, though? Why don't they breed them like other animals? They, they oh, well, because Ash, will you stop? No, no I'm just saying. Why, yeah, no, why, why wouldn't they? Because they're, they're, dogs, were, dogs have been bred over the years as companion animals, as animals no, but to not be in companions China. They to human them, beings. No, they, yeah. they don't well, I mean, all eat them. They have dogs as pets too. Absolutely. Sorry, I mean, most, most, people in, most people in China um, would, would absolutely share your sentiment about, about the trade. Most people in China don't eat dog and cat. Um, in South Korea, they do farm dogs. It's the, it's the only um, country in the world to have a large-scale factory farming of dogs for human consumption, and that... Um, brings uh, its own um, terrible animal welfare um, problem. Mm. Um, it is incredibly difficult. I mean, it's, it's, I would argue it's impossible to factory farm any species without utterly compromising its welfare. It's certainly difficult to do that um, with mm. dogs. Um, and we, obviously we, we wouldn't want to encourage that in any shape or form. But the stealing of people's pets seems to, you know, to me, to bring to it an extra layer um, of, of suffering. And, and certainly there are many uh, people across China who have been very angry at the, the lack of action at um, a national government level um, when their pets are stolen by the dog thieves. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, uh, I didn't realise they, they bred dogs and cats to eat in, in South Korea. Well, that's yeah, they, come they right off cats, my... But they, they, they factory farm um, dogs. So um, oh, right. we, we work on, on the ground in, um, in South Korea. We've, we've closed... 15 dog meat farms by working with dog farmers who are eager to get out of the trade because mm. um, the, the appetite for dog meat is literally diminishing um, year on year um, in South Korea. And, um, you know, the, the dog farmers are on hard times, but they haven't really got a, an exit strategy. There's, there's no um, state-supported program to um, help mm. them transition into other trades. And so we work with dog farmers to transition them into those other trades. And there's no animal rights, are there, in the law? Um, in China, there's no animal protection uh, legislation uh, at all, which is why this Shenzhen law is so important. Um, it's, you know, it's not just a, a first in terms of a ban on dog and cat meat consumption and trade, but, but really it's a, a first in terms of animal rights legislation in, in China. Mm. So it really is quite an historic moment in, in terms of the evolution of the way animals are treated in China. Have they only been eating bats and other animals like since the 70s or 60s? That's what I heard. Um, I think it's really difficult to say because, I, because eating habits, culinary habits across China, which is a vast canvas, um, can, can really uh, differ province to province, but certainly across Asia, um, we see the uh, very sadly the eating of, of bats and and lots of, of, of wild animals, including endangered species. Um, just recently, um, our team in Vietnam 
um, confirmed that wildlife wet markets are continuing in Vietnam, business as usual, you know, despite the really obvious uh, human health hazards. And although the dog and cat meat trade has no connection whatsoever to coronavirus, it brings with it its own human health um, problems with, with things like rabies, etc. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Mr Blackford has joined us. Uh, you were outside clapping, were you? Yes, it was indeed. I, uh, I think it's important that we show our support for all that are working so hard, putting themselves in the front line. We owe them an enormous gratitude for what they're doing. I think we're also grateful for these, these wonderful people that, that work in the health services, but not in the health service, the, the carers and all those that are making sure that the rest of us have got the ability to stay at home and try and make sure that we're doing the right thing by those in the front line. Uh, do you think Scotland is uh, is doing the right thing at the moment? Do you think they they they've not got enough equipment as well as uh, England and Wales? Why do you think the health service has not had enough in reserve? I think these questions will be looked at, James. Once we get to the mm. end of this crisis, I think at the moment all of us have got to work together to make sure that we do support those in the front line as much as possible. There's an enormous effort which has gone on over the course of the last few days, in particular to make sure that everyone has the right PPE equipment. Let's make sure they're fully supported. And, of course, there will be questions that people will want to ask. But let's we are in a, a crisis. This is a, a war-like situation that we're in, and I think it's just important that we get behind all those that need our support just now. Are we all working yeah. together now, the English and the Scottish and the Welsh NHS trusts? I can say to you that there's been an enormous level of cooperation across all the governments over the course of the last few weeks. They will betide anybody that plays politics with this. This isn't the time for that. And, of course, if I look at our role in Westminster, we are a we are an opposition party and we, we, we will ask questions to make sure that the government is doing the right thing to support all our people. But, in essence, all of us are in this together and that's the approach that we need to take to this crisis. Mm. I suppose uh, Easter is is looming and people will be thinking of going away on holiday. Of course, they can't go on, on holiday now, can they? Um, yeah. That's, how can... Well, how? I yeah. mean, if... Sorry, go on, Ian. That's the way it should be. The, the requirements are that people should not be travelling unless it's on essential business. And I think there has mm. been an enormous improvement over the course of the last few days. I think people, by and large, have got that message. But... Sad to say, I think there's a small minority that haven't, and certainly I know where I live in the Isle of Skye, there's still evidence of the odd tourists being around the place. Perhaps more worryingly, James, we've got a lot of holiday properties up here, people that have second homes, and a number mm. of people in particular that have second homes have come here. And, and that, I have to say, is the height of a responsibility for people to behave in such a way. Uh, the emergency powers that are there that do prohibit that. We are in a very fragile place. If I take where I am in the north end of the sky, we're three and a half hours almost to the only acute hospital that we have in the Highlands in Inverness at mm. Redmore. This is a vast area. It's 30% plus of the landmass of Scotland. It's 10% plus of the landmass of the UK. You think about people having to cover distances of 140, sometimes more than 140 miles to get to the only acute hospital. And when you see people that are prepared for their own selfishness, to put the risks of others uh, at, 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 um, at cost simply by they want to appear at their, at their holiday home is simply not acceptable. Have you told some of these people? 
I've put a, a message out on uh, my social media pages today on Facebook and Twitter. We've got a press release that's gone out as well, and we'll be making sure that that message is, is delivered quite robustly over the course of the next few days. We, I mean, we, we want people in normal circumstances to come here. It's a beautiful place. Of course, we welcome tourists here. But I'd simply say to them, whether they're tourists or people that own holiday homes, please do not come just now. You're putting the community here at risk. We don't have the facilities in many of the rural areas, and it's simply a price that is not worth paying for anybody. And I think they'll find that the people that they see is those that they want to associate with when they come here will really look upon them pr- pretty badly if they if they do come here. And I'm sad to say, I, I can see it in the township where I live, that people have arrived over the course of the the last couple of days. It's not good enough and they should go back to their, their own home. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Never know you've got to use special dog shampoo, but I suppose what I could do is when I'm having a shower, I could take one in the shower with me and, uh, and wash her as wash well. Wash and go. And they thought it would be a, a good idea. Hmm. So yeah. um, I've done 75. That. Oh, shut up. I'm not over. You're older I mean, no, than me. No one, but when you went and isolated, no one had even heard of the word isolation. You were a real innovator. Um, heartwarming kind of kind of experience. So okay. thank you. Simon, that. that's very kind of you. Could you stop there, though, because you're making us sound like songs of praise. <laughs> you know you had a bad back pain, you were saying. I didn't know. I've been talking about that. Was it a back oh, pain you had? Sciatica or something? I have got, I've got sciatica. Freddie, if they get a ventilator, what are your odds? Freddie? Oh, sorry, that's Who's an ex caller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, happy birthday to Mr. James Whale. That was uh, the clips for today, the worst of Whale, or sorry, sorry, the best of James Whale. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed them. Well, I suppose if you didn't enjoy them, you won't be listening, will you? Anyway, I'll be back 7 o'clock until 10, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening.